People, get ready. Jesus is coming. Sometimes it's as if we're ashamed or we feel like we have to apologize for this all-powerful God or this all-knowing God because He doesn't always act in the character that we think He should. Or He doesn't fit into the mold or the box that we have given Him. See, the church will move away from things that seem bothersome about the Word of God. But it's still God. It's still His character. There's portions of the Scripture. I've been in, I've been in and around the church for over 40 years. And my, my grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. And I remember reading the Bible and I thought, well... Not everything I'm seeing, not my life and the church isn't lining up exactly with what the Word says. There would be portions of Scripture that we would actually just skip over because we weren't comfortable with them. Remember the days of hellfire and brimstone. We've become much more grace-oriented now. We want a softer, gentler approach that makes us feel better. There are some churches today that won't even talk about the blood of Jesus because it's offensive. Tonight's message is people get ready. I am not trying tonight to promote any kind of end-time doctrine. I, if you're post-trib, mid-trib, or pre-trib rapture, that's fine with me. I'm not, going, I'm not advocating one over the other. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to advocate tonight being ready. Be ready if He comes. Be ready if He comes mid. Be ready if He comes at the end. I want you to be ready. That's, that's my message tonight is this. People get ready. Jesus is coming. In the book, uh, in fact, there's, there's, there's people setting dates right now. They've got a date right now of September 15, 2015. I want you to know right now, if anybody is setting a date, they are a false prophet. Run! Okay? Luke chapter 12, verse 35, starting there. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves of whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and he will have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so. Blessed are those slaves." But be sure of this, that if, if the head of the house had known at what time, hour the thief was coming, he would have not allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour which you do not expect. Tonight I want you to understand this. Jesus is coming back. You know, it's not something we hear in the church much anymore. But I want you to know, a word called rapture. The Bible says He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. I don't want you to forget that. He is coming back. How do we get ready? What do we do to get ready? First of all, we need to come to Christ. Way back in the first part of the book of Luke, chapter 9, in verse 23, it says, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then he follows it up with, Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? For whoever is ashamed of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed. Get ready. He's coming. I don't want to be ashamed when He comes. I want to get in position. See, scriptural 
watchfulness has three directions. Upward, inward, and outward. Upward to God, inward to our spiritual condition, or inward to our spiritual condition, and outward to the environment around us. Psalms 130 says this, David said it like this, My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman, more than the, for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. He's saying this, the watchman will wait. They can't wait. They've, they've, they've been watching all night long. They can't wait till that sun rises. That's how the, the eagerness of those watchmen were. He's saying this, this is how I wait for the Lord. I wait on Him even more than they do. See, a, a, a watchman, a watchful Christian will keep guard over his inner spirit. He will notice the uprising of every disposition, of the trend of his thoughts, and even the choice of his will and his words, and the tones of his voice, and even his manners. He will not only match his actions, but he will, under the swift and beautiful guidance of the Holy Spirit, will per, he will perceive the very essence and spirit that flow out of the actions and the words. He is totally, wholly vigilant. He, is, he's, he guards his environment. He looks for the approaches of the enemy. He's always alert for the escaping evil. He wants to do good. He sees his golden opportunities for God to bring forth those things. His eyes rage like a Bible sentinel. He's always looking not for what's, what's going on in the physical, but what can go on in the spiritual. What is God wanting to do there? He's always ready. This task may seem tiresome, but if the soul is flooded with the divine love, Love, it's easily to preoccupy ourselves with the occupation of knowing Him and being a sentinel for Christ. See, some of us tonight have an inner willingness to serve God. Your waist has been girded, but you do not have the illumination, the light of God's Word brightly burning within you. You want to be ready? It means clothing yourself to be prepared to move. It means lamps fully lit and not walking in darkness. It means a servant mean, means that, that whatever the Master says, you're obedient to it. You're ready to do it. Being prepared for the coming of Christ at any unexpected hour. See, clothing, lamps, and servants. These, he, he mentioned these things and then he says, be sure of this. He's empathetic. That, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not allowed his house to be broken into. The word actually means to literally to be dug through. See, their houses were made of mud. So what he's saying is the enemy would come and he would actually burrow through. He said, the enemy, you have to be prepared, watchful of what's going on around you. Being ready also means being called to sanctification. In 2 Peter 3.14, he says, Therefore, beloved, since you, since you looked for these things, I love this part, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless, and blameless. You want to be ready for when He comes? You ha it doesn't just mean that you belong to Him. It means that we also have to follow it up with godly living, a holy life. Since we're looking for His coming, then He says this in verse, t verse Peter says this, he, he says, he begins, in verse 10, He begins to again talk about the thief. And then verse 11, He says, so if, if the thief's out there, well, how are we supposed to live? He says this, what kind of lives are you supposed to be? You ought to live a, a holy and godly life. That's bringing yourself into preparation. That's putting yourself in the right posture before, before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Colossians 3.12 says it like this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, these kind of things, when we walk in this, we actually have, we have to be ready for His coming. See, some of us have been asleep. 
We've been walking around. That's why, you, do you think that, that it's, it's, um, it's by coincidence that the zombie trend is so big right now? See, spiritually, we're zombies, a lot of us. Because we walk through life, but we're asleep. We're really, we're dead. We're, we have no, there's nothing in us that's alive. But God's saying, listen, I want you to wake up. Second Peter says this, 3.17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, listen, he's giving us, he's saying, you know this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. What he's saying to this is it doesn't matter how good you think you're doing. You may be doing really good. You've, you've, you've made it through some great hurdles. He says, be on your guard. Be ready. See, he's coming when we don't expect it. He's coming because he wants to, he wants to give us a reward. Jesus has left us in charge of things while he's away. What have we done in his absence? I want you to think about this. Jesus has left us in charge. What have we done with it? Let me... Well, well actually, Lord, I'm, I've been accumulating wealth. I'm busy with my job. I'm, I'm, I'm following the American dream. I'm fending for myself. Don't you know? Haven't you seen what it's like down here? It's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world, Lord. Have you even seen who's in charge of this country? What else can you expect from me? Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself, to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. That word eager there in the Greek means to bubble over. He wants us to bubble over to do, doing good. Not just, i got to go do this. No, I can't wait. I have a privilege of doing this. See, some of us think that the only way to avoid being a hypocrite is to never aspire to a higher standard. But this is dangerous both for ourselves and for society. We should aspire to a higher standard, yet be honest about our difficulty in fulfilling that standard. Luke 12 41. So Peter says this in the midst of the scripture where we started here. Peter says, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or everyone else? Who is this for? You see, if you go back to the beginning of this chapter, the people were, were so compressed, they were actually they were on top of one another. It says that they were pushing against one another. So Peter's looking at this, he's going, Hey, who is this really? Who are you talking to? Them? For us, Jesus explains it. He says, I'm talking to both of you. In Luke 12, 42, He says, The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom His Master will put in charge of His servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is the slave whom His Master finds doing so when He comes. Truly, I say to you that He who he will put Him in charge of all of His possessions. See, we like this part of it. Alright, Lord, that has to be me. That has to be us. 
Can't be, uh, that's got to be me. But then he goes on. He says in Luke 4, in verse 45, he says, But if the slave says in his heart, Ooh, I think we've said this. My master will be a long time coming. Hey, look, he hasn't come in almost 2,100 years. <laughs> Is he really coming? And he begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour when he does not know, and he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who, who, he did, who did not know and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but a few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled." See, I almost I feel like I almost need to apologize for the Lord right here. <laughs> did he did he really mean what he was saying? See, I grew up in church. God is love. Remember the smiley face? He's giving us, he's saying, listen, I want you to be prepared. He's telling the church, I want you to be prepared. Wake up! Surely a loving God wouldn't say something like He just said. This message won't fill the offering plate. This message won't fill the pews. That's why it doesn't get preached. See, Scott brought it to me this week and he said... Craig, what about this? <laughs> what about this? See, it's a lot easier to skip over it than to preach and preach a more positive message. But see, I get stuck and hung up on this one place in verse 46 because of this line right here. He says, And I will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance with his will. See, what have you done with what God has given you? The word is stewardship. See, as a servant, this man was given a food supply. He had a responsibility. He had a responsibility to dish it out when it was supposed to go out. He was going to give it to his family, to his extended family, then the servants. He, his master had put him in charge of this. He is a representative of all of us. You have been given resources. You have been given knowledge. You have been given the law of God in your heart. You have been given an understanding mind. You have been given talents and capabilities and gifts. You have been given opportunities. Let me tell you this right now. America, if you live in this country, the poorest of the poor of this country is still richer than almost 78% of this world. You have been given more. We have more Bibles per capita. We have more churches. If you do not think that we're going to be held accountable, you are foolish. I'm telling you right now, this is the Word of God. This isn't something I came up with. Yeah, I go back to the beginning. Sometimes I feel like I almost need to apologize for what he's about to say. But hes it's not just Paul saying, it's Jesus saying it. 
The question is tonight, what have we done with it? Faithful or not, ready or not, prepared or asleep, He's coming. See, in the degrees of punishment in hell, here we see this. He takes the first one, He hacks them into pieces. The second one receives lashes, and then the last receives just few lashes. See, I've been told all along in church that I'm secure. I've been told all along in church, just get in the riverboat and ride downstream with the rest of us. We're all going the right direction. Float along. Enjoy His grace because it just covers everything. And you know what? You don't have to worry about a thing. Just ride along. See, the problem with this Scripture is that Jesus actually can reassign us our position based upon our readiness and obedience. See, in America, there's no doubt we'll be without excuse. Romans 1.20 says it talks about that. Jesus is saying to us tonight, I've put you in charge. Maybe it's not much. Maybe your assignment isn't much, but you have been given an assignment. Some have bigger tasks, some have smaller, but there are no more room for excuses. Well, I can't do this because... Have you seen my wife, Lord? Have you seen my husband? you seen what I'm working with here? Have you seen the family that I'm born into? Have you seen my finances? Have you seen what I'm going through, Lord? He says, listen, I have given you everything you need. Mark chapter 13, verse 35 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. This is in alignment with Luke chapter 12. Whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. I looked up this word, therefore keep watch. Mm. This word watch in the Greek is the word Gregorio. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to you, but my name's Greg. And I saw this and I was like, Lord, what in the world is going on? It literally means stay awake. He's saying this, I want you to be a watchman. Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch. Gregorio and pray. I want you, so I want you to remember this all week long. You have Pastor Greg. That's going to be a reminder. Gregorio. Gregorio. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch and pray. See, Paul in his final address to the church at Ephesus, in Acts 20, 29, he says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. He's saying that in the church, there's going to be men that are going to rise up and they're going to distort the truth and they're going to try to bring you away. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you day and night with, with, with tears. The King James Version says this, Therefore watch and remember that in the, in the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Therefore, Gregorio, watch. Same Greek word. 
Jesus emphasizes this when He ends the, goes into the end of this chapter. He says, Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on the earth? I tell you no, but rather division. Do you think that it's going to be a happy little fairy tale? No. This message is going to divide. Did you think that it was going to be just easy to walk along and you could just float along? No. You're going to, you're going to have to press, push, do everything you can to get through that narrow gate. It's worth it though. William Barclay is a, a, a well-known Bible commentator. He says this. He tells of this story. It's very close to that which you would hear from something from C.S. Lewis. He said that Satan was talking with his generals. He went to his first general and he says, what can you do to help people um, be, be deluded and go the wrong direction? He says, I know what I'll do. I'll tell them that there's no God. That will do. Then the, the Satan replied back, That will not delude that many. He said, Because they will know there's God by nature. The Bible says that in Romans chapter, the first chapter. The second demon came and said, Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them that there's no hell. There's many people teaching that today. There is no hell. You, Satan said, You deceive a few that way. But they will know that there's a punishment for sin, so it's inevitable that that's going to come. The third demon says, I will tell you what I'll do. I'll tell them that it's, there's no hurry. That they have forever. Satan, he just jeered and he laughs. He says, you found success. Go with that. He's coming. We don't know when. Be prepared. Tonight, as I get ready to close, I want to read this story to you. Roland Taylor, martyr for our Lord Jesus Christ. 1555. The death of Roland Taylor. He was executed in England in 1555 because he believed that priests could marry and that the bread and the wine of communion did not become the actual, literal body and blood of Jesus. On January 31st, 1555, Taylor appeared with two others before the Bishop of Winchester and was charged with heresy and dividing the church. When these three men refused to change their minds, they were condemned to death. When condemned, they replied back to the bishop, We know that God, the righteous judge, will require our blood at your hands, and the proudest of all of you shall repent of this one day, and the tyranny you show against us and the flock of Christ. On February 4th, Taylor was kicked out of the priesthood, and that night his wife and son were permitted to eat dinner with him. After dinner they left, and with much affection and tears, the next day he was led out to Hadley, the town where he was the pastor, to be executed, so that he would be burned to death in the city where he served as the pastor in front of his congregation. When he left London jail that morning on February 5th, it was still dark. Taylor's wife suspected that he might be taken that morning, so she waited with her two daughters outside of jail. When she called out to him, the sheriff allowed her to come to him with his daughters for one last meeting with her husband. Roland Taylor took his daughter Mary up in his arms while Elizabeth knelt with him and said the Lord's Prayer. They prayed together, then kissed and hugged, and Taylor said to his wife, Farewell, my dear wife. Be of good comfort, for I am 
quiet in my conscience. God shall rise up a father for my children. He kissed his daughter Mary and said, God bless you and make you a servant. And kissing Elizabeth, he said, God bless you. I pray that all stand strong and steadfast with Christ in the word. As he was led away, he called, his wife called out, God be with you, dear Roland. I will, God's grace, be with you. I will meet you in Hadley. The journey from London to Hadley took several days. And all along the trip, Roland Taylor was joyful and merry. As if he were going to a banquet or a party. But on February 9th, when they arrived in Hadley, they were still two miles from town when Taylor leapt off his horse and started to run on foot. He was walking fast as if he were almost dancing. The sheriff asked him how he felt. He said, well, God be praised, good master sheriff. Never better, for I know that I am almost home, even at my father's house. Oh, good Lord, I thank you. I shall yet once before I die see the flock of whom I have, have, uh, have been with these past few years. Good, good Lord, bless them and keep them steadfast in thy word. When they came to Hadley, they put a, a hood over his head and they came over a bridge. And the footbridge, was a, there was a poor man with five children who cry, cried out, Oh, dear Father and good shepherd, Dr. Taylor, God bless you. You have for many times helped me with my poor children. The streets, the streets were clouded on both sides as people wanted to see what was happening. They cried and wept aloud together. O oh, merciful God, what shall we poor scattered lambs do? What shall come of this most wicked Lord, world? Lord, strengthen them and comfort them. Taylor answered back, I have preached to you God's word and truth, and I come this day to seal it with my blood. When they came to the town square, he heard a great multitude and asked where they were. When they told him where they were, they, they, put, they pulled off his hood and he looked and he said, I'm even home at this time. When the people saw his face, there was an outpouring of emotion. They wept and cried aloud, God save you, good Dr. Taylor. Jesus Christ strengthen you. The Holy Spirit comfort you. And many other such things. Taylor wanted to speak to the people one last time. But as soon as he opened his mouth, the guard put a spear up to his mouth and made him stop. He started giving away his clothes, his boots first, then his, his coat and his jacket, till all he had left was his pants and his shirt. And then he cried out with a loud voice, Good people, I have taught you nothing but God's holy word and those lessons that I have taken out on God's blessed book, the Holy Bible. And I have come to you here today to seal it with my blood. Then one of the guards clubbed him over the head and said, Is that you keeping your promise to be silent? Seeing that he could no longer speak, he knelt down to pray. A poor woman came to kneel beside him and pray, and the guards tried to push her, but she would not let go. As he prayed, they brought him to the stake where he would be tied, and he kissed it. He stepped into the barrel and stood with his hands folded in prayer and his eyes toward heaven as they tied him to the stake. After some agonizing delays, he said this. He prayed out loud, O merciful Father in heaven, Jesus Christ my Savior, receive my soul into your hands. And he stood perfectly still as the fire arose around him, without crying or moving, until a guard clubbed him on the head, and his brains fell out, and his dead corpse fell to the ground. There was a marker that simply said this, Dr. Taylor, in defending that which was good, has at this place left his blood. Luke, 20, Luke 12, 35 says this, 
Be dressed and ready for service. And keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants who finds them, their master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait upon them. Are you hearing this part right here? He says that those who are faithful, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Watching is the same word, Gregory, Gregorio. He says, truly, I tell you that, the, that Jesus will dress himself to serve and he will have them recline at the table and will come and wait upon them. It will be good for those servants who are found watching. What a day. What an experience. He's going to wait on those who have been faithful. See, that's why He can demand much from us. That's why He can request so much from us. That's why He can expect so much from us. Because one day, He is going to turn all the tide around and He's going to serve us, the Bible says. Those who've been watching. Those who've been faithful. Tonight, as we close, I'd like you just to stand. We're going to sing this song. Help me win the prize. Help me win the prize. Just speak this to the Lord's heart. Of the knowledge of you. Make this your pledge. I want to run the race. Even in your weakness, He will help you. He will receive this cry. I want to keep. Help me win the prize Help me win the prize The Lord says, I will I long to Of the knowledge of you I want to be found faithful I want to be found steady I want to be found faithful Till the end I want to be found faithful I want to be found steady I want to be found faithful Until the end Don't want to be ashamed, God Don't want to be ashamed The day I see your face Day I see your face, keep my footsteps firm. Keep my footsteps firm. Hold me in your grace. Oh, hold me in your grace. Don't wanna be ashamed. Don't wanna be ashamed. day I see your face, keep my footsteps firm, keep my footsteps firm, hold me in your grace, hold me in your grace, I want to be found.
found faithful I want to be found steady I want to be found faithful Tonight, if this message has maybe just struck a chord with you, you want to sure up where you are tonight with the Lord, I'm going to ask you to come forward, find a place of prayer, clothe yourself in Him. Be watchful. He's calling us even now. He's calling us tonight. Be prepared. Be ready. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. Lord, tonight I pray that the Spirit of God would quicken us right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, get us to the place, Lord. Lord, where we will not be satisfied with anything less than You. We thank You, Lord Jesus.